Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 154 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Colin Phoenix to Fire Ford, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode, we have our Chief Bar Steward. Good, good evening. <laughs> good evening, everyone. Hello, hello. We have our head of chief, uh, chief head of health and safety. That's Commander Ben Moss Woodward. Everything's burning all around me. No, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> and we have our head of entertainment. That's Commander Thane himself, Chris Jarvis. Hello, how you doing? I was just quite impressed by uh, Ben's introduction. I thought for a minute that you were introducing him as our chief of head which is a very different position on the ship. <laughs> and I think we've probably, we've probably lost a lot of our viewers and listeners tonight by starting almost on time. I think a lot of the crowd will be, will be turning up in quarter of an hour expecting the opening music and be very surprised that we're already going. Yeah, well, unfortunately, it, well, fortunately, it, I think we managed to pull our fingers out and get things going tonight. Awesome. So if you, can, if you wish, you can join us live we're hanging around uh in live station itself or are we out at the uh are we out at the broadcast uh sidewinder we're out at the broadcast well, you're, you're in my you're meant to be in my ship i am multitasking <laughs> and you're a man i get it <laughs> so yes we're out at the unidentified civilian broadcast at the moment just outside Leave Station. So if you want to come across and join us, uh, you're, you're quite welcome to. So we'll go through uh, what everybody's been up to for the last week, and we will start with Chris. Hello. Uh, yeah, I've actually been uh, I've been playing a bit of Elite. Uh, I found myself back in the sort of Lave area, so I thought what I would try and do <laughs> is take on submissions for Lave Radio Network uh, and see if I can't actually get our uh, no, uh, system share up above 4%. So that was one of the things I've been doing. Uh, I can't remember what else I've been doing. It's been a busy weekend. Of, there seems to have been lots of one-year things going on in my local town. Um, so we had the, the one year celebration of the new leisure centre, which was terrible. And we had a sort of family open day thing at the local common, which was really nice. And the weather was really good. And we had a good day. And there were things like birds of prey there and people handling snakes. And there was even, I thought this was quite optimistic. There was even a tent full of bees. I, I kid you not, it was, it was basically a tent with, it was like a, um, it was like a marquee with a netting, netting down the sides and uh, they'd managed to seal it to the ground in such a way that the bees weren't escaping and you could go into a sort of airlock tent wearing a beekeeper's outfit and go in and see the bees i mean i was a solid no frankly but uh it was a thing you know it was a thing you could do um did they have an aviary as well sorry what was that did they have an aviary as well they didn't they had some birds of prey out on posts and they were uh training them to pick off small children from the crowd no they were encouraging children to wear the falkery gloves and learn to kind of do stuff uh yeah that's that's pretty much been my week uh, that sounds very much like the eddie eddie Izzard routine covered in bees <laughs> <laughs> so grant what have you been up to this week i'm just surprised that you know mentioning bees garnered so many questions there um <laughs> <laughs> I'd have gone in there just to see if bees have knees. 
Um, but you know, that's a that's a different story. What have I been up to? It's been uh, more bathroom work as well. Simon today took down the last part of the last wall and cut up the last part of the floor, so it's all beginning to lose shape. I think it's meant to be taking shape by now, but it's losing <laughs> shape, which is fine. Um, something I did stumble across was I uh, John Hoggard this morning backed a project that I didn't see, and I went and had a look at it. It was a little Kickstarter being run by um, Bubble Bap Gaming, um, and it's a little uh, little sort of space top-down game that looks quite quite awesome, actually. Um, so well, it, do, must, it must be funded now you found it. <laughs> you know, it has crossed the line, but it's only got four days left to go. So, and he wasn't looking for—he uh, was not looking for an extortionate amount of money. So, I think it really is just trying to up the graphics on it and um, get some nice music for it as well. So, yeah, go and check out uh, the Bubble Map Gaming. I can't remember what it was called now—Star Galaxy or something, something like that. Rebel Rebel Galaxy. Um, you know what? Let me go and tell you exactly what it is. In that way, we did set up a tiny URL for it last week, but it was in last week's show notes. I can't remember what it so is. It was in last uh, week's show, it, and I missed it completely until it, this morning when someone was, else backs yes. it. Oh, what a twat! Yes, Galaxy <laughs> Crash. Galaxy, Galaxy Crash. Crash. I, don't, I don't want Rebel Galaxies now. That's just something else we've been talking about. Um, what is what? What tiny URL did we set up for it? Was it Bubble? Bubble. Oh, Hang on, I, I'm looking. I'm looking through last week's show notes to try and find out where you're. Tiny URL <laughs> forward slash bubble crash. Bubble crash. That was the URL we set up for it. So there you go. So if you go to tinyurl.com forward slash bubble crash, that will take you to Bubbles Kickstarter. And uh, Bubbles, uh, an elite player, isn't he? He is indeed. Yes, he does a lot of streaming as well. He's one. I think he's one of the hammers. Uh, hammers are slow. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, go check that. That's what I did. Ben. Yeah, uh, well, I've been actually I've been flying around Maya trying to find flower ships and failing miserably. Unfortunately, uh, I spent pretty much all of my game time on Friday, Saturday, and <clears throat> Sunday through until mid evening, flying around Maya looking for a flower and trying to be interdicted and get the the distress call, and nothing was happening. So I do know they're they're as rare as hen's teeth, apparently. Um, yeah, well, there was one guy that was complaining that he couldn't jump in or out of Maya without getting stopped by the ships. He reckoned <laughs> eight times in a row he got caught. I know. Yeah, yeah. that one's been um, reported as a bug, that one. Yeah, sounds yeah. like it. And then on Sunday evening when I did leave Maya, I went off and I was doing an event with the Paladin Consortium where essentially we were... Driving up a driving up a hill to collect um, cargo, driving down the hill again, and then you're having to drop it into uh, two one of two um, two ships. Uh, so there's two two teams racing up the hill, racing down the hill, madness ensues, and that was a lot of competitive fun and stealing stealing each other's cargo, trying to make each other jump and fall off of cliffs and various other stupid things like that. It was good fun. Right, well, um, unfortunately, I've, I've not really had a, a fun week in Elite Dangerous this week. Um, it's just mostly been running through missions and trying to um, to up the uh, the Imperial ranks so I can finally afford a clipper. Um, apart from that, not really that much. I did a little bit of top shift exploring in the, in the shiny sidey, but to be honest, 
it's been very difficult to actually get online after about 11 o'clock at night lately. So, yeah, not much to report on my on my uh, uh, end, so to speak. So, we'll move on to the development news. Now, we haven't had much development news. We've had quite a lot of excitement over the last couple of weeks. And things have gone into that, you know, little bit of quiet phase that we, we, we do seem to have have after a release um however sandro samarco him of cowboy hat and space launch has shared some light on a potential karma system the usual um no eta no guarantee uh, sing that along to the theme tune of um <laughs> only fools and horses if you wish um he's gone and shed some light on this potential karma system that they're considering for various infractions or undesirable gameplay elements uh, which comes across as a, a potential karma system and now has anybody else seen this uh, and would anyone like to take us through it <laughs> yeah summarize poison go on the poisoned chalice okay i mean yeah so sandro's uh, post was really interesting um, and as you can imagine people lost their minds over how reasonable sandro was being <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was the usual, there was, there was the usual saltiness in there, but what was particularly interesting, um, ah, no, I've lost his post now. That's what happens when you uh, are not paying attention. Um, right. So, uh, he, I, he sort of summarized it quite nicely here with a thing that says, so, uh, here are some potential examples. Attacking a wanted ship, no matter how overpowered you were to it, would be fine. Attacking a clean ship when you are massively overpowered compared to them would give you minor bad karma. Mm -hmm. Repeatedly attacking clean ships that you massively overpowered would get you major bad karma. Stealing cargo from a clean ship would be fine. So they're obviously trying to support um, piracy. Yep. Being involved in an occasional starport collision would gain you minor bad karma. Being yep. repeatedly involved in starport collisions over time would get you major bad karma. <laughs> occasionally disconnecting ungracefully in danger would be fine. Repeatedly disconnecting ungracefully in danger over time would get you major bad karma. And attacking starports as crew would get you major bad karma now the thing that people have really lost their minds over let's say people one or two people is the idea that they're not just going to insta ban anybody who logs off during combat yeah because i mean obviously the, the reason is pretty obvious is from from a server point of view you can't tell the difference between someone killing their game and someone's network dropping in the middle of a fight um so what they're what they're basically kind of suggesting that anybody might disconnect during a fight at any given moment for any given reason. Like if I'm playing the game, regardless of what I'm doing, if I hear my daughter crying from upstairs, it's alt F4 and I go and find out what's going on. Um, what they're, what they're saying is that if you, this is all about building up patterns of behavior. So if you are, if you are regularly disconnecting during a fight, then you are considered by the system to be a combat logger and you will start accruing major bad karma. And what this basically means is if you're fighting somebody and they happen to disconnect and you go crying to Frontier, they are not going to ban the person that you were fighting. But if the person you were fighting is, is you know, a, a repeat offender when it comes to disconnecting during fights, um, then they're going to start having negative action 
taken against them. And I think that's, you know, yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, no, I, um, I mean, I'm personally quite happy with what those proposals are. Uh, what I would, I mean, uh, did you see what some of those negative effects would be? I missed that I, I bit. thought that ah oh, right because I thought they were quite reasonable because the more bad karma you get, the more difficult it is to play the game. Apparently, mm. um, so say for instance they're they're thinking of denying docking access if you've got a a commander with bad karma or you've got um, cases where the insurance rebuy will go up. So instead of paying oh yeah, I, I did see that. Sorry, yeah. Just- yeah, just to clarify what you're saying, they're not talking about completely denying docking requests to people with bad karma. They're talking about um, restricting docking access to anarchy systems. Mm. Well, you see, well, that was one of the things that I I would have preferred to see. Um, I would prefer to see players that behave like that to kind of be forced out into the anarchy systems so yeah. that, you know, at, at that way, people know that the anarchy systems are dangerous. Because that's where all the griefers live. <laughs> so yeah, enter at I, your own risk. Yeah, I think the thing that's slightly awkward about it is that really, if you were to look at it from an in-game system, sorry, Ben, we'll, we'll come to you in a moment. Um, the, the the issue there you've got is that what the anarchy systems should be is full of lawless people. But actually, there's a danger that what Frontier are going to create is a system where anarchy systems are full of all the bad and awful and griefy and annoying players which isn't the same as be- being full of murderers and pirates and i think uh, it does come back to this old problem that the game and the designers don't have a realistic way of telling the difference between illegal commanders who are playing the game as illegal commanders and people who are just dicks because oh, it's quite hard to tell the difference <laughs> something that kind of worries me though about the karma system is is it just going to be a series of checkboxes so you know okay ben combat logged once twice three times four times five times ten times a hundred times and that's it or is it going to dep- um is it going to go down over time or we you know how is it going to be because you know i could i could see a situation where you know, let, let's say you're talking about your, your your kid's sick, so you're trying to play, but your kid's sick and you're having to log off every five minutes. Mm-hmm. So your your frequency of combat logging could potentially go quite high, but most of the time you don't do it. It's just a, a one-off period of yeah. time when you are combat logging a lot. Yeah. And well, it kind, that kind of worry, worries me a wee bit. Well, I mean... <laughs> It, it makes sense that sort of bad karma would kind of dissolve over time if you if you behave yourself, mm. so that eventually the karma would sort of build back up to a point where you're neutral. And as soon as you're neutral, then perhaps I don't know you you get let into lower systems or higher systems, security systems, depending on on um, what your behaviour's been. I mean, from what you're saying there, Ben, I mean, if your kid is sick, normally I don't find myself playing Elite Dangerous if I've got someone um, with a bloody nose, for instance. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll be honest, on evenings where I have to look after Eden on my own and if she's being a bit difficult, I mean, I've said this before on other shows, Elite is not my game of choice. 
no. for evenings where I'm potentially going to be interrupted because it's just not a great game for playing if you if you're going to maybe be able to play for ten minutes and then have to stop. Um, th- there's no two ways about it. Um, I mean, just we're just feeding back some comments just from the Twitch chat room. Apparently, the uh, grief griefing supporters are not happy about the proposals. Strangely enough, um, mm. I mean, well, apparently one of the things they've they've said about it is that if they want to find random PvP, then this system is going to prevent them. I don't necessarily think it will because if if all the if all the dick griefers have got bad karma, then they'll all be in the same place. So you just need to if if you've got you know, if you've got dick karma, you're going to be in a place with all the other people with dick karma, and you can go and kill each other, and that'll be fine. You can you can you can live off each other's sort and see how much publicity that gets you. Um, that sounds like an NPC what, name. What dick karma? Yeah, <laughs> you can have that one for Dockers. Um, I, th- I think no. it, I don't think it'd be allowed as a chip name. No, no, it's true. Um, but I think, I mean, one of the things, obviously, I mean, there is obviously different kinds of severity. I mean, the way it currently stands, if the only thing you ever do is murder a an explorer who's just come back after six months with hundreds of millions of credits worth of exploration data, um, that actually doesn't count against you that highly because it's just a one-off. Yeah. No, it's it's basically a pattern of behaviour. So, yeah, and it's they've hopefully they'll be able to detect that. Oh, you're in combat, and then all of a sudden, oh, you've combat logged again, or you're in, you're you've you've just been interdicted again. So then you've combat logged. So when people the the system detects that, you know, this is what you do a lot. That's when the bad karma starts kicking in, and that's you've when also you got get to... forced out. You also yeah. have to remember that they're already actually monitoring things like combat logs. Yeah, are they? They are. They've been. You know, I think they've monitored our combat logging behavior since Alpha. I think. Well, you got to remember. Oh, I don't. I don't really want to. Make, well, we'll 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 call them the unmentionables. I mean, they they caused a whole lot of hoo ha by reporting a lot of combat loggers, but none of nothing. No action was done on that. Just it because it yeah, because mean say it's not being seen. Mm. No, that's it. But I mean, you know, this is it though. I mean, one one instance of something. It's like anybody who does any kind of research or data analysis will be able to tell you. One instance of something isn't enough to define a pattern. Um, there's a great, I think it's a Dave Gorman thing where he goes on about the statistics that they show on like shampoo adverts. Oh and yeah. There was something like twenty-seven out of no, no, what was it? It was. It was 63 out of 97 women agreed this. And he was saying, well, actually, that's, you know, that's barely a majority. And not only that, you know, why are they only asking 97 women? What kind of research doesn't even have the same criteria as family fortunes when it comes to giving people (laughs) surveys? But it's true. But, I mean, you have to have a reasonable sample set in order to be able to um, you know, in, in order to be able to to make a judgment, and it's like I don't, I don't want to get distracted by you know what could potentially be a contentious issue, but it was like with this thing where when you go for a job and they connect your your um, like your ethnicity and your gender information, and they're doing that across the organisation because if two people go for a job and one of them is a white man and one of them is a black woman, say, and the white man happens to get the job or the black woman happens to get the job, that one job isn't enough information to be able to say whether or not your organisation has a problem across the board with fair recruiting. But if your organisation has made a 1,000 appointments 
in the last year and every single one of them was a white man yes then that's 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 a statistical aberration and that's something that needs to be dealt with so i think this is really what frontier are trying to deal with it is you know if you, if somebody combat logs on you we're all allowed to you know do something crazy every now and again and potentially maybe my network did just crap out when i was in the middle of a fight with you that these things are all entirely possible or maybe my child started screaming or any of those things but actually if every time i get in a fight and my shield level goes below 40 percent i suddenly have a network outage then you have to cry foul and you have to say well i'm afraid it looks like you're just avoiding fights um I mean, obviously, there'll 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 be places where this won't count. For instance, I mean, if you if you are a high-powered Corvette and you've gone into a combat zone, and there's tons of little player sidewinders about on the opposite side, I think you're fairly allowed to 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 start your turkey shoot. <laughs> Everybody should know that if you're in a combat zone, that's that's pretty yeah, much. But it's- it's kind of annoying though because i was in a combat zone once and i was in a low combat zone because i wasn't in a particularly good ship and there was somebody who had allied to the other side in the combat zone and they were in the um they were in the imperial cutter and and literally every time i reinstant i got back in there i did my rebuy i came back in every single time they went for me instead of any other target and i'm like but actually this is imperial cutter versus b-rated cobra my question would be is what's that imperial cutter doing in a low combat zone well yeah it all depends on so, the rating because you know if yeah. that person was sort of like three or four rating higher than you they wouldn't even get uh, any kill markers or, or anything towards their rating because you were so much lower than them exactly but i mean this is the thing there is a difference there is a difference between griefing and unbalanced gameplay and I think that's a distinction that I think I don't, I don't want to kind of undermine what they're already doing. But I think once Frontier deal with this problem, they're going to start discovering that the problem of unbalanced PvP is actually going to become even more pronounced. Well, yeah, I think that, I think that getting the griefers into, say, uh, anarchy zones or combat zones instead of in the newbie zones would be a better idea than, than doing nothing. Because, I mean, that's one of the things that is... The game has been needed to get a reputation of, oh, don't bother starting, because basically you just get jumped on, just like Jumpgate did. Yeah. And someone I, I want to avoid that. Yeah, someone in Twitch chat is suggesting the, the system should make them buy your ship back for you. I actually think if it was going to be a realistic system, your the, the amount of credit loss that you cause should be added to your insurance. So yeah. if, you, if you kill someone with like 130 million credits worth of exploration data on their ship, that's, that's now added to your rebuy. Yeah. Ben? I've got no no off, no issues with that, but I just want to quickly say, you said you're in a, a low combat zone, Chris. I was. So you do know Shall that... Be? So this that, must have been a long time ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you do know that uh, the low ones versus the high ones, they're more to do with the... It's not whether you're a good pilot or a bad pilot or anywhere in between. It's just that a, the capital ships have a higher chance, have a chance of showing up in the high res ones. Not, um, well, you and get better there classes is, of NPCs there. I, I wouldn't say better classes of NPCs, but you get there is more of a chance of bigger NPCs there. 
Well, but and... I actually find low combat zones a lot harder to fly in, and you know, dropping into them is a lot. I find that more challenging actually than going into a high res. Yeah, but not, the problem uh, not res. Um, you know what I mean? Into the high combat ones. Yeah, well, the, the problem that I've got it, with that is that once you've got to a certain level, say you get to dangerous, there's no point going to the low res zones because basically you don't get anything for any of the apart from credits. You still get credits, but you don't get any bonuses on your combat rank because you're that much higher than the other ships they don't count are the ships actually in lower ones are they actually say dangerous and below whereas in the high ones they're yes master and yeah. above <laughs> yeah no, normally the i've found that you know master and below you'll find in low low combat zones uh you know res zones those the that has red, so you know, you know what I mean. The the medium has res zones, and the uh, the resource zones, and also the uh, the combat zones. Normally, those low ones you get up to maybe master, expert master level at the most, and then at the higher res uh, sites and the hazardous res sites, and also the high the the high combat zones. That's when you start seeing the elite players, the well, not the elite NPCs, NPCs. yeah, and the uh, the deadly ones, which you will need mm. to take on if you are dangerous and above. Because yeah. once you get that high, then you know that that rating starts to get more difficult to get. Yeah, I just find I just find the low ones actually harder to go in because they just seem to get swarmed by bunches of vultures and things. It's like, or oh, the cobras are always. You, know, you get three or four Cobras on you all firing their plas uh, plasma accelerators, and it's a nightmare. Well, I'm, I must admit, I haven't actually come across that one myself at the moment, Ben. Uh, maybe it's, I've, not, I've been, it's not fun. Uh, maybe I haven't been into a combat zone for a while, to be honest. Um, although I need to, because I need to get up to Dangerous. I'm almost there, so I need to, I need to start working on that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I mean, we've had people react to the combat logging and the griefing. I mean, did anyone else uh, follow that thread? Or is that the, the griefers weren't happy comment that you made earlier? Who are you asking that to? Uh, I think it was to you. I didn't say anything about griefers not being happy. Oh, was that Chris then? <laughs> somebody, somebody in Twitch chat had said something about griefers being unhappy. Oh, right. Yes, well. Um, well, at the moment, this is, this is still just a proposal. Uh, I mean... I don't know about you, but I, I think it, it 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 might help alleviate some of the more undesirable play styles that we've been seeing. But, um, it's hard to say, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of these things because you know we we have to wait and see what happens and that, and how people react, and hopefully it, without much salt, maybe a bit more pepper this time. <laughs> I mean, do you think that you sh do you think you should be able to see? my karma rating and vice versa? Um, I think maybe the karma rating could be hidden amongst all your um, your pilot stats. You know when you flip through, through um, the panel on the right-hand side mm -hmm. and it gives you a whole load of your stats, how much money, you, how many assets you've got, playtime, etc. Okay, so, so if I, I'm looking at Grant and I can see his, he's a master, uh, no, he's got 100% no, things th like that. I think it should only be available to you. Okay, so I shouldn't be able to see Grant's. Yeah, you shouldn't be able to see another player's karma score. I think this is basically a warning for you so that you know whether or not 
you're going to be restricted or the reason that you can't go into those other systems is because you're suffering from a karma penalty. I, 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 mean, yeah. I mean, I suppose, I don't know, maybe yeah. we, we know in the Alpha 2 there was the, the wonderful power of the posse. If you remember mm-hmm. that? Yes. As, if anybody was uh, pirating, basically <laughs> everybody else just jumped on jumped them. Jumped on them, I know. Yeah, so imagine if you got bad karma, then, I don't know, maybe your ship will show up on the, the galaxy map. Oh, that would be bounty that'd be hunters awesome, to right? go after you. I know that yeah. uh, the, the unmentionable. I'm sure people would like that as well. probably actually want that, because that means mm. that it'll have a lot of people coming after them for a bit more PvP action. Yep. But yeah. So I mean, like I said, it's a potential karma system. Um, it's just been mooted about. He's, as Sandra said, he's spitballing. So um, I think I think it's come across reasonably well now that people are beginning to get the idea of the concepts. But as as Chris said, there was a, an initial salty reaction. Oh, the salty reactions to everything. I just just brush yeah. over it after a while. <laughs> it does. You, you kind of get it salt, immune to salt. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, we will go for uh, in-game events. Now, uh, obviously, last week we had the the demise of the <laughs> Somali's character. Can I just jump in before you oh, jump I'm... in? Someone, someone just PM'd me with uh, Katsuzi. I don't know their in-game commander. They're saying a new gameplay mechanic of a thousand credits to flag a player who just killed you. Yeah. Um, at stations, you can accept a mission to bounty hunt that target, um, and you've got one week to take them out. For for the next week, that target appears on your map for the hunter, and if they evade for the week, then the flag dissolves. If they kill the hunter, the flag goes away. If the hunter kills the target, then rebuy plus fifty percent for the ship that was flagged. So they can't hide in sidewinders. Mm. Oh, there was yeah, there was something interesting. Um, the uh, Sandro mentioned something about two point four, and, and this was a couple of uh, a couple of months back, and he said something about bounty uh, bounty hunting limpets. Now that could be nice to 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 basically track other players with. Could be used. But then again, we are spitballing, and it's a, it is speculation. So <laughs> we're always like a nice bit of speculation on this podcast, right? So moving on quickly, we will. Well, we covered uh, the some uh, the Drew's for Domain Rift conclusion uh, uh, last week in a, last week's special. Um, the memorial service for the fallen character Salome has been held on a private server, uh, with a lot of um, a lot of kind words said. For those of you who uh, who would like to see how, how that memorial service service went down, uh, we will um, include a link to Commander Josh Hawkins' uh, uh, web feed, uh, sorry, YouTube channel, where you can catch up with that. Um, and also, I do believe Grant that the Hutton Truckers got a special message as well. Yes, we did. <laughs> By um, well, who we like to call our uh, Hutton poet laureate, who 
uncovered this message and we thought we'd just sort of like, you know, give it the um, the old treatment and then put it out in our radio show and it was wonderful. It's really quite um, beautiful. Yeah. So, yes, if you if you want to finally catch up with uh, the conclusion uh, of, of the live event, then uh, that's the place to look. Uh, in other news, uh, Canon has a community goal which starts on May the 11th. Now, this is a community goal for their own mega ship. Uh, people who uh, play this, uh, participants, could get a special Canon uh, decal for their ship. And um, it also implies that if the mega ship is created, uh, or they manage to achieve the mega ship, it will be placed near Maya. Uh, with the potential of the megaship being able to move, so yeah, I'm getting involved. In that one, I am getting, getting involved, involved in that one. Yes, um, yeah. details yeah. on Thursday, I think. So we just have to wait and see. But it sounds interesting, I and mean, I'm really quite keen on getting a hold of the um, their what do you call it, <laughs> their um, decal, decal, decal. Yeah. 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 The the question I want to know, Grant, is if can get a get a mega ship, can the truckers get one? Another point two two light years beyond Hutton Orbital. <laughs> we would love so that. Basically, it's point four four light years away from wherever the jump point is. Well, yeah. yeah, that would be that would be epic and ideal, but it would have to be a mugger ship. <laughs> Either that, or it could just randomly just jump around places, and you never. No, that's Jack. That was boring. Yeah, yeah. Just have have it point four four light year away. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the newsletter came out this this uh, on Friday as usual. Um, there was quite uh, an interesting little uh, photo of um, I think what you're looking for at the moment, Ben. Is that right? The the flower ship. Yeah, there seems to be a Federation yeah. ships suffering mysterious green damage. Indeed. Yes. Although, you know, no one's actually seen the flower ships doing damage. For all we know, you know, it could have just been there, scouting out the area, sniffing around, you know, minding its own business. And then suddenly these nasty humans come along and it's like, oh, sugar, I better scarper. Mm-hmm. For all we yeah, know. But- Yes, but um, yeah, it does look as if there's got a lot of corrosive green damage on that sh- on that uh, Corvette, though. Well, maybe that they're all just good. suffering a cold. Mm, that, that's a new level of snot that I'm aware of yet. Snot that dissolves Dura Steel or whatever these ships are made out of. <laughs> <laughs> that's some that's some nasty snot. Um, in addition to that, we we have uh, another generation ship discovered. Um, now this one, I haven't had a chance to catch up to with yet, but um, is this now the sixth generation ship? We've got the Lycanon, we've got the Venusian, we've got the Hyperion, we've got the Odysseus, we've got the Thetis, and now the Pleon as well. So that's six, yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean, apart from that, we've we've got some. Um, New Imperial Eagle paint jobs, including one which is as white as the one that you get in. <laughs> <laughs> but it is at least part of a pack, so... Yeah, yeah well, at least you're not buying the same one twice, is it? <laughs> That's pretty uh, funny, then. Yeah, and the Control-Alt-Delete-Space video competition. I do believe that's the last... Today's the last day you can put in your entry. 
for all those all those video budding video people out there, which I wish I'd been able to to do. Uh-huh. And I've seen Grant on on the uh, on the Twitch stream giving us a wave with all those six fingers. Um, <laughs> well, I've got to get a demonstration of two of them at this rate. Anyway. I think moving on to our main point of discussions for tonight, if everybody's okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tonight what we were going to do is we were going to discuss a lot of the hardware apps and peripherals. I thought I almost said profiteroles then, but peripherals that you can buy for Elite Dangerous that actually enhance the gaming experience. Now, we've yes, gone through a. I was going to say, this is a continuation of our series of looking at various add-ons and enhancements for Elite Dangerous. Um, Obviously, we started it last week with looking at websites and apps, uh, and this week we're looking at uh, mainly hardware. There's a couple of things that are a little bit borderline, um, but yeah, just because it's it's too big a topic for us to do in one evening, so we're we're basically doing physical stuff tonight. Okay, Um, well, at the moment, we'll, we'll start with control options. I mean, obviously, um, one of the most f- uh, the most favoured control option that everybody recommends with this game is having at least a decent joystick or a HOTAS. So we'll just quickly go around uh, the groups, see who's who's obviously got one of these, and whether or not they think it it's essential to the game. So we'll yeah, start I mean. Chris. Yeah, I mean, it is essentially, you know, we, we put up a straw poll asking our listeners to give us information on what they used. Um, and, and joystick with throttle slash hot ass was, was far and away the, the most popular um, vote. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I personally, so I have this slight issue with it because people talk about hot ass joystick. And obviously hot ass just refers to hands on throttle and stick. So the idea is it's a control device that means you don't have to take your hands off the joystick really at any point um and i don't know necessarily how true that is for, for different players so i don't have a joystick with a separate throttle you quite often see i think what, what a lot of people are talking about they talk about hot ass is a thing that has one block with like a throttle stick on it and then another block with a stick on it and the whole thing is just covered in buttons i actually play elite dangerous with a um i have a 15 years old Microsoft Sidewinder Pro. Uh, this is a, uh, I suppose it's technically a 12-button joystick. Uh, so it, it basically has a, a D-pad, it has a trigger, three thumb buttons, and it has four buttons on the base, and it has an analog. Uh, and I find it has, that... It has a what? Sorry, you mostly, broke up for a sec, but... It has a throttle. Mm. Uh, so it is essentially... It does essentially the, the similar sort of job. It's not quite as flashy or as expensive <laughs> as, as your modern hot ass, um, but but it is that. Uh, ben, how about you? Yeah, I oh back when we were doing retro leave, I with Elite Dangerous intended, I got myself the Thrustmaster Hot Ass X, which I'd actually had before, but it was parked up somewhere in Holland, I believe. Um, and then even before that, when I used to play regular flight sims, I had a, it was an old Thrustmaster Apple desktop bus joystick that was like, it had three buttons and a hat switch, I think. 
and I'm sure I'm sure I had a throttle, but I might be wrong there. Maybe it just had a maybe it just had same as your sidewinder. It had one on the stick. Um, I can't quite remember that well enough. It's, I'm going back, Christ, nearly twenty odd years now. Um, but now I've moved. I've moved on in, in inverted commas, and I've got recently got the Thrustmaster T sixteen thousand M, which I have to admit I love. Um, it's a very very nice joystick. Cool. I mean, I think it really does. I think for, I mean, we are going to talk about other control schemes as well. So I don't want, well, you know, we don't want anybody who's playing the game on something that's not a joystick to feel like a second class citizen. But I mean, for me, very much the reason that I like Elite Dangerous over other space games that have been available. I mean, you know, the reason for me that I was waiting for Elite Dangerous on why it had such a huge impact on me and why I was looking forward to it for so much was the fact that I wanted to play a space game where I was actually flying a ship with an actual flight stick and I was viewing it, you know, through the... Because I played other games like... I mean, I, I, you know, I did really enjoy Freelancer, which was being... which was flying with... basically with the mouse. Um, I was never particularly interested in eve because i didn't like the fact that it was basically a to me it looked like an, an rts in space because you were um you were basically yeah. clicking on ships and clicking what about free space i know i never played free space actually I, I, played good, free, I, I played free space and i really liked that with the joystick um, yeah 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 but, but, but that's what i mean i mean the joystick flight thing for me in some respects it is all about playing the game with the joystick and i mm. think if elite dangerous didn't support joystick I probably wouldn't. It seems harsh to say this. I'm not convinced I'd play it. I, it I know what you mean. Game. But saying saying that, and I completely agree with you about playing with the hot ass. I've heard that, especially for competitive gameplay, you're actually more accurate with mouse and keyboard. Oh no, I can believe it. Um, I mean, and I used to have when I got my first PC. Um, I had a colleague who. Um, he had he had the same joystick that I bought. I bought the Microsoft Sidewinder Pro. Mm. He had the Microsoft Sidewinder Pro Force Feedback, and to this day, it remains one of the best Force Feedback joysticks I've ever experienced. So um, we we used to play X Wing Alliance, and I that was my first experience of. I love that game. Yeah, that was my first experience of a, of, a, of a Force Feedback joystick. Now my experience of Force Feedback. Um, is was on like the, the PlayStation where you would have a controller and every now and again it would vibrate to kind of give you, like if you got shot, you'd get a slight rumble to kind of indicate that something was going on. But the Microsoft Force Feedback Sidewinder was completely different. It had a, a very strong motor in the base that would force the stick in a direction when you got hit. So when you were playing X-Wing Alliance, if you got hit by a torpedo, it would throw your ship into a spin and it would actually require some physical effort to pull the stick back to centre and get out of the spin. Now, the reason I mention that is because it may well be that you are more accurate and that the game is arguably easier with a keyboard and mouse. What my colleague used to say about his force feedback joystick is that level of immersion isn't for people who want to win 
like if you're going into things in a competitive way, a joystick is massively inefficient because you have to move your hand quite a lot in order to move the ship around. If you're using something like an Xbox controller, all you've got to do is move your thumb and you're getting a full range of motion on your ship. Obviously, with a joystick, you're having to apply much more motion to move your ship around. It's just one, it's just one of those things. But I, I, I personally think for immersion rather than competitiveness, I don't think a joystick can be beaten for Elite Dangerous. Uh, well, um, I'll, I'll agree with that, personally. Um, I mean, I've tried the mouse and keyboard version, and um, I would say that, yeah, you, you do get a, a degree of control, but it doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, no. um, but that's I mean you know but I think I think that is borne out by the fact that as I say of, our, of the people who responded to our survey a, a massive majority of people were voting to say that they used uh, a, a joystick um, so just to say I mean uh, the way we did the poll it's not very easy to come up with stats because you know it's comparing like who uses joystick with who uses like EDDB Um but just to say, I mean, we had 383 people say they used a joystick with throttle slash hot ass. We had 88 people say they used a joypad. And we had 59 people say they used keyboard and mouse as their main controller. So that is, I mean, that is a substantially higher number of people, uh, really. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> sort of, you know seven seven or eight seven or eight times as many um, i mean someone in twitch someone in twitch chat is saying i'm too afraid to ask my wife if i can buy a joystick i mean that's really why i wanted to introduce my quite simple joystick that i use um because it isn't i i personally don't believe it's necessary to buy like a multi-hundred pound joystick to play elite dangerous with a joystick you can do that but i mean you can get a 30 or 40 quid joystick that has a throttle on it and has loads of buttons. And, that's, and that's what the Hot Ass X is. Yep. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not aware of the Hot Ass X. Uh, that might well, be what I get. And if, when my, that, well, that, that's, the one I, that's the one I used to fly, fly with. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a very, very affordable and blooming rugged joystick. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know, I've moved on to my T1600, but my Hot Ass X is still in blooming good condition. The only the only issue in inverted commas is there's like a little rubber sheath around the base of my stick, and that's got to be cracking it. <laughs> yeah, Come I mean, on, stop giggling. No, 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 I'm I'm build, the build quality on these things isn't is, you know when you have the cheaper joysticks, it is basically build quality that is. The, the it's prime. a thirty quid joystick that lasted yeah. over three years with a, a wee crack in a piece of rubber. Compare that to a certain yes. company who's recently been bought over by Logitech. Yeah, yeah, funny that. Mm. Well, I mean, I mean, in context, I mean, my Microsoft Sidewinder Pro was fifty quid fifteen years ago, um, and the main thing that is wrong with it now is dust because it's got dust in a lot of the cracks that I can't get out. Um, but I'm expecting it to die any time, so I imagine that for me, I would probably go for something like the Hot SX rather than something which is like like the, the you know, two hundred for the. Well, I think it's two hundred just for the Warthog stick, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I I bought a warthog stick off a good old Commander Snuffler. However, my warthog didn't last all that long. I think it lasted about six months before it started developing faults, which just completely killed the experience. And I was on wow. game yeah game pads for a week or so. 
<laughs> until, a spot. Uh, until a mysterious X-52 turned up on my door one day. Thank, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> not yes. that I'm so thank you. <laughs> now, does Grant not have the Warthog? Yeah, I was just sitting here listening to you guys going about how it's so rugged and it's got lots of buttons, and I'm thinking, ha, <laughs> no. you have no idea. No idea. Thanks for the um, <laughs> bringing a load of visitors to us, uh, DJ Truth's here. Um, right, yes. So, the Warthog, the beautiful Thrustmaster hot-ass Warthog joystick, with its <laughs> mere 55 fully programmable action buttons and two four-direction hat switches, each, each with a built-in push button. Now that's really handy for menus. Now, uh, but I find it's a little bit footery, and so therefore I then change it to other buttons. So you've got the amazing hat. Every button on the stick I use, every single button. The throttle I only use the buttons that I can reach, which are at the front of it. And to the right-hand side, there's a lovely little sort of grey switch, which is meant to be for your flaps. Um, because it's obviously a replica from the uh, hot ass aircraft. Um, sorry, the thrust, the warthog. And so flaps down is my landing gear, and flaps up is my cargo <laughs> scoop. And it's just you know what you get so used to it being in that way. It's metallic. It's heavy. It's very heavily sprung. It's a flipping delight to use. However, for all you PVPers out there, it has no twist. There is no yaw. You do, have, you do have a split throttle, and if you do set yourself up um, sort of um, default controls, you will find that the smaller throttle acts like a yaw. But very quickly, you will change that because it's horrible. <laughs> it's just horrible <laughs> because you cannot find the centerpiece when you're thrusting. You knock it, and you start going off kilter. And um, so, I opted to supplement my Warthog system with a wonderful combat fl- pair of USB combat f- flight pedals. <laughs> we do just need to say a quick hello to the dastardly Don himself. Uh, Zach Antonacci has joined us in Twitch chat. Hello, Zach. Oh. And I guess while doing that, we also probably should give a quick shout out to um, DJ Truthsayer as well, who's also just joined us and taken uh, a few friends. Cool. Is that what all that noise was? I wondered. Commander <laughs> Commander Lucius has, has asked a question about the, 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 the split throttle, so let's have a look and see. I'll bring this webcam over. If you're listening to this in the audio, I will describe what it is. If you look at the front of this wonderful, ridiculous throttle system, you will see there's a little metallic catch right here, which I can undo if I know what I'm doing. There we go. And then I can push this sort of smaller one forward. When my first Warthog stick, the fire button wore out on it. <laughs> Which might, you might not believe. So at the moment this, this throttle action is not being used for anything at all. Purely just attaching it together so that when I can use it for my floating the main ship. So I use this button here as a sort of backup fire button. Uh, it now doesn't get used. This is for fire groups and um, menu systems. And then I've got this for lateral thrusts and things, uh, and some comms buttons here, which are not very used. I don't tend to use the the throttle controls too much, because I think when you're flying with a stick, the stick is always your main focus, isn't it? You know, that's the controls, and so you really want your, um, you know, you really want to have all your controls mapped to the stick, like so. Um. Yeah. I, have to, I mean, I have to say, on my joystick, I am—I do find myself a little bit short of buttons from time to time. 
Um, it's, it's one of the reasons why one of the things we're talking about later is, is of particular interest to me. Um, you can borrow some of mine. But pass on your buttons. <laughs> Map them remotely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I've had the X5, the X55, which I got from uh, Mr. Snuffler, and that did have the twist your action on it, and I think that's what went on the on the, on the joystick itself. But I must admit, even though the X52 is supposed to be a step down to from the X55, I must admit, I do feel a lot more comfortable with the X52. It, it, it just seems to have the right amount of buttons. I mean, I'm using all the... Um, uh, all, all the lateral controls on the throttle, and and um, a lot of the sub targeting is on the on 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 the buttons. It's on the roller button on the throttle as well. I think it's just a case of acclimatization. Um, once you get used to you know the layout, then you can't really go back to another joystick because you've got to learn the muscle memory all over again. Mm, no, yeah, no, exactly. yeah, I'll agree with that. I've only just changed my my thrust up, down, left, right button from my hat, which is what I had on my hot ass, to the button that's ideal for it on my on my uh, throttle, which is it's got like a lovely little analog button, mm-hmm. but I just didn't have the muscle memory to use that properly. So I just I just kept it on my hat just because that's what I'd been used to for the past three years. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, the, the only joystick feature that for me would really improve my immersion in a game like Elite, and it's such, it's such a minor thing, but what I actually want is to have one button on the joystick that has like a little flip-up glass case over the top of it, like a safety. Yeah, you have got to that. flick up before you can press the button. Yeah, you got that on the X52 and uh, on the so X55. Yeah, and you can change the the button colours, which is really nice. <laughs> Mine glow in the dark green at the moment, with a couple of yellow and orange ones in as well. But um, moving on from well, uh, moving on from joysticks. Well, I mean, we obviously move we move to the joypad. Now, I've used this in both the the full game and on the Xbox. And uh, Grant, you've also I've seen you play in the Xbox version. How, how have you found? the joypad compared to your massive peddling <laughs> warthog. <laughs> right, well, I found it very, very difficult to get used to the Xbox <laughs> controller. Once I've been using the the warthog, you just get so used to different ways, but I reckon it takes about two or three hours to kind of settle into the Xbox controller, at which point it becomes quite natural. Now, there's still a few procedural parts of the game that I found tricky with the Xbox controller, uh, the main one being docking. You'll see me going back and forward, back and forward, back and forward. God damn it, because I haven't quite got the hang of that. Um, But the actual controls on it are really quite accessible once you get used to it. I mean, you hold in the button, it'll bring up a menu showing you the sort of alternative modes that that button can unlock. And it is quite hand-holdy in that respect. It's not too difficult to work things out. And then it kind of means that all your combat options are held on that one combat button, which is your fire buttons. And I like it. I got used to it eventually. I I mean, I've, I've not... You've obviously done a lot more Xbox hours than I have on the game. <laughs> um, 
But you know how do you well, how do you find it now? Is it become natural? I think I'd still like a hot ass on an Xbox just to sort of it just gives you that sense that you're flying the damn thing. Whereas the gamepad's yeah. kind of like this, <laughs> you know, your your commander's not been well and and he's he's phoning in, flying his ship, so he's in his bed and he's just lying back. It's got that kind of relaxed feel to it, so you can sit back and play Elite on your t- big screen telly, your projector or whatever, and just lie back with your feet up and a couple of beers and and. Mm. You know, you don't have the space requirements that a flipping hot ass takes up, which is tons. Yeah, I mean, I must admit that is one thing that I have found uh, because I've used the Xbox controller on both the PC and uh, on the Xbox box itself. I found that the controller was absolutely fantastic on the Xbox and a little bit more difficult to use on the PC, but mostly because of the mapping of the controls. I will. I will. I say. I also use a 360 controller attached to the PC. Um, I use it for the camera suite. <laughs> that's that's basically what I use it for. Um, that's that's shocking. I have. Con- I know. I know. I have considered using it for the SRV, but actually, I've got kind of weirdly used to using uh, the joystick for the SRV. But one of the things we did want to talk about, actually, with the with this thing, because um, we haven't covered this with with joysticks, is pedals. And Grant, you have some experience with pedals. Yes. I mean, obviously, the pedal is kind of like... If you remember from your childhood when you used to get mittens with a little bit of string that used to go from one to the other and you'd put it down your sleeves <laughs> so that if you know, if you suddenly shot... If you were, if you'd grown too much over the summer and you put your mittens on and you try and hit somebody with your left arm, it pulls your right hand right up into your face. That kind of um, that kind of explains that swivel that you get with the pedals. So you kind of put your feet on the pedals, push forward with one foot, and the other one gets pushed back, and it gives you that kind of twist uh, control on the floor. Now, that obviously controls your yaw, you configure the game, and it's, yeah, you know what, it's... It feels quite natural, and it doesn't take long to get used to it. Just make sure that if it feels weird that you invert the control axis and you don't try and do it the wrong way, because that messes with your brain. And the pedals that I went for were the combat pedals, because they came, and some of them, a lot of them do, they come with this wonderful kind of uh, push on the pedals. You've actually got another forward access on both pedals. Now, when it comes to the SRV driving, I've configured it so that the left tilt on that pedal is my accelerator and the right one is my reverse. So I can drive using pedals as if it was sort of accelerators and brakes, which is brilliant. And that makes for really crazy driving. Wait, your left pedal is accelerate? Yes. Have you got a left-hand drive car? No, because the throttle would still be on the right. Why, why Why have you put the throttle on the left and the reverse on the right? I can't explain... I cannot explain. I think <laughs> do you know what, do you know what, I think it comes down to probably why have I done that? Oh, it's so bizarre because that's not what, how you drive a car. There's nobody here that would ever call me out on that. And uh, you're the first person that's been pointed out that that is completely utterly bizarre. And I mean, and then I'm thinking, do the arcade games, you know, these American based Daytona games, is the accelerator on the left and nose? I don't know. I, I have no I'm idea. Sure, I'm sure the throttle Sure, throttle is the, the gas is always on the right. I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what sure. it comes into. It comes into the flight controls for the ship. My throttle is on the left-hand side. I am left-handed, so this may explain it. Um, 
but my throttle's on the left-hand side, and I think that's speed and stuff, and so therefore I associate forward with left and back with right, and I use that as well for the... I use the pedals for the forward and lateral thrust. Um, I use the pedals for that as well, and it just allows me to go forward. American throttle's on the right as well, says... Yeah, thanks, Focal 2. I'm, I'm really <laughs> sinking here. Um, <laughs> Even the Dunstan Don says that's crazy. I can't help it, but it, is, it basically is left is forward and right is back. So, yeah, that's just okay. how I do it. That's that's how I do it. And it works brilliantly. So it gives you a really a nice sense of extra control. Um, again, it's just... Like we say, when you're using it's muscle memory with these controllers that becomes they become yeah. you know extensions of you and and you can fly that ship almost blind. Um, I mean, I don't know whenever you take your eyes off the screen to even look at the controls, it just doesn't happen anymore. And with the pedals, you've got those extra functions. Now, the only thing I find with the pedals is certainly it could be just you know the fact that they're on the floor and they're going to collect all the kinds of dirt so they do get dirty very quickly um certainly with the amount of crumbs that i drop on the floor uh <laughs> and cats so it's cat hair city i do find that every so often it just doesn't work and i have to unplug it from the that usb is. port plug it back in and i don't know if that is particularly a fault with this one or not it works fine and then i'll do some reboots and it'll be maybe a couple of days later when i log back in and then suddenly those those pedals won't work and it's always when you bloody need them you know just when you go right yeah. i need a little bit a little bit of your uh, why are the pedals in your making these ridiculous noises <laughs> and um yeah so i i don't use them as much as I think I could because I don't tend to get into that kind of combat and I tend to I had the Warthog a lot longer before I got the pedals and so I've learned to adapt and I'm happy not to have your ever I just don't use it no, fair enough so the, one of the other things that came up uh, with our with our survey of people although we we don't have anybody on the crew I think that's used this um, there are people out there that were telling us that having a steering wheel peripheral really makes a huge difference for SRV driving. I mean, I, I presume they've got a steering wheel for other games. They haven't just got it for driving the SRV in League Dangerous. Because to me, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit excessive. I don't know, maybe it's not. Maybe it's an essential... You used to get those, um, the kind of, you know, the broken steering wheel, which would be a flight wheel. <laughs> Technically, we're going to get yeah. pedantic. Yeah. And I could imagine that something like that would be quite, interesting for you know having um i reckon you know the, the sort of ideal situation would be that you'd have multiple monitors and you'd have your hot ass station set up when you jump into the srv you do some kind of big red button like batman and then the desk slides around and your steering wheel comes down from the ceiling and your pedals come up to your feet and then you're like right here we go because i think you know that they do have a huge benefit i can imagine a steering wheel for an srv mm. uh, especially if you think about force feedback that would be yeah. sensational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I mean, you'd need it. I mean, someone in Twitch chat is saying like a flight yoke. You would essentially need the steering wheel on like a lever. If you had a steering wheel on a lever that you could push back and forwards, um, then you, I don't know, then you could theoretically fly your ship using the steering wheel. Yeah, well, I, I, that would be basically a yoke on, on an airplane, wouldn't it? I think the only difficulty there is yeah. 
it, it, there is something to be said for the hot ass system separating your hands and function. Um, that again, once you've done it, it's very difficult to unlearn that kind of comfortable feel. I mean, all you have to do is go into somebody's house and go into their elite installation and then look at their joystick controller and then just select it from the drop down to go back to the default controls and wait five minutes for them to start crying. It's, you know, <laughs> you just customize these things to your personality. And so therefore it's very difficult to jump on after somebody. Yeah. And we find this one of the biggest uh, issues when demoing Oculus Rifts as well is because you're then trying to explain where where the buttons are to the person who's got their hands on the stick yeah, and they're no thinking, type. what the heck? Why would you put that? Why would you accelerate with your left pedal? I'm sorry. Sorry for my left-handed bias, everyone. <laughs> but yes, I think, you know, the, the flight yoke would be pretty interesting, but you would... I mean, if you had a flight yoke with a ton of hats on the reverse side of it, that would probably be quite an interesting controller for Elite. But I think the lack of the control um, for your left-hand side to be able to do chaff or weapon selects or that kind of menu interactions would be a bit of a letdown for that kind of controller. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. I'm just Um, thinking about having something like that in the game cab, though, where you've got all your other switches and stuff round you like you would have on a real airplane well we are going to be talking about something in a minute which is which you could potentially use for that um but i just want to before we get into that because we have been very you know we have been very kind of joystick and joypad and steering wheel and all that focus but there are still a number of people that play uh, elite dangerous with keyboard and mouse so we should touch on that for a moment because uh, we are and we are talking about sort of enhancing the elite dangerous experience so um we we have had some people raving about now i'm going to mention a specific one although probably other joyce other mice are uh, available uh, something like the orb weaver so you can get like sorry is the orb weaver a I get very confused about this because you can get these things, which I think Alan has one of, so it's a shame he's not on tonight, which is basically like a little bank of buttons that sits under your hand, a bit like a mouse, but it's designed for like your offhand. It's essentially a little keyboard that is shaped to the palm of your hand and it has like 14 programmable buttons on it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. So the Orb Weaver is an example of one. There's another one, which was the Razor uh the razor something or other i forgot what it's called already but anyway essentially you can get these things which rather than just you know using your keyboard which obviously is a little bit dependent on you being able to see the buttons i mean i have a little reading light attached to my desk which shines light on the keyboard for if i'm playing with the lights off um but you can you can get these things which are basically custom they're like little custom keyboards that have I think anywhere between 12 and 16 buttons on them and they're sort of ergonomically shaped to sit under your hand and it's just like a little programmable keyboard um yes uh Calten on twitch is saying he thinks it's called the naga what the uh the razor one yeah 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 that sounds familiar it might, it might well be i know logitech yeah, have yeah. got something similar as well and it's got if i remember correctly it's got like a wee analog stick and things like that on them as well does it? Well, a little thing you can play with your thumb. Yeah, 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 that's cool. <laughs> yeah, That's cool. 
And you also, I mean, you can also get, I mean, you can get specialist mice. So, I mean, we all, you know, my mice, ha- my mouse has, mine's a fairly straightforward one with only three buttons. I think for a lot of people, like even a five button mouse is considered pretty standard. But you can get these gaming mice that just have, oh no, yeah, Jons von saying the Razer one is called the Nostromo. That's the word I was trying to remember. Yeah, the, 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 the Razer Nostromo is a little programmable thing. Um, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to actually just combat log from NPCs because I'm trying to play Elite Dangerous and talk, and I'm getting into the front center. Um, Watch out, so, for Karma. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the the MMO mice. I mean, I use. Well, I still do have one of those. I have a a, a Razer mouse which I was using for um, uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, uh, which had a, it had twelve buttons on the side where your thumb is. And you could then assign functions to that. Um, so, you know, you, you'd end up with your your various um, functions that, that that would fire on your on your hotbar for those kind of MMOs. Um, I didn't use it very well with Elite Dangerous, however, because basically, like I said, it, it just didn't have the right feeling to me. But the the, um, the control the buttons you can the software that comes with it is very very good, and you can practically map it to either functions or macros. Which, yeah, yeah. macros. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I I got a bit obsessed with when back in the days when because I'm going back to my joystick. Microsoft had a whole range of Sidewinder products. So they had the Sidewinder Pro, which is a joystick. They had the side what was originally called the Microsoft Game Voice, which I actually had the hardware for. So this was when when chat in games was quite a new thing. It was a, it looked like a Simon Says. It was a little circular USB device with buttons on it marked one, two, three, and four, and a button marked all. And you had a um, what are they called? Uh, they make really nice headsets. Um, Plantronics had a Plantronics um, headset with a microphone, and you would plug the microphone into the Microsoft Game Voice, and then you would connect that to your PC via USB. And basically, it had its own game chat software, and you could assign your four buttons to different players, so you could choose who you were talking to at any given moment. Um, but the reason I mentioned macros is I got a bit obsessed with macro programming because it would, with the with the Microsoft software that came with the Sidewinder and the Game Voice, you had this macro programming thing that you could do for it. And I, I got obsessed with, for when I wasn't playing a game, programming joystick and Game Voice buttons to do various things on my PC. <laughs> so I, uh-huh. I set it up to like, um, what was one of the things? Uh, it was something to do with launching my email program and pre-populating the reply to address with a custom email address uh stupid stuff like that but yeah i mean macros you kind of if you get a piece of macro software again another thing we're going to be talking about shortly um you can basically just program a, a joystick button or a keyboard press to perform a whole series of keyboard presses which which is yeah which is really cool yeah i mean the, the software that i use for that is the SciTech software that came with oh, yeah, cool. the the x52 that that it does cause me a lot of pain to be honest because i mean i don't know whether we've covered voice attack just yet but voice attack is that i think well we'll be covering the whole of voice attack and all it's it's a, a associated voice packs yes. and and macros and stuff <laughs> like that in an entire an entirely 
new episode because there's that much attached to voice attack these days but the voice attack software has the similar kind of thing where you can you know put in macros and and a whole load of the same very simple programming instructions which can basically mean that the ship can fly itself just by you pressing a button or (laughs) some pre-programmed buttons and it'll perform the ship will perform evasive maneuvers, just like Mr. Stable used to have, I don't know, d- defensive flight pattern beta or something like that that we used to hear over, yeah. over the uh, over the voice chat, yeah, which yeah. would just basically crack us all up. But <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I think I think most of the the actual controls have been covered. I mean, should we move on to head tracking? Well, no, 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 we've got because we've got a couple of things to discuss. So this oh, is God. getting into real fringe stuff, but I think actually this might be interesting to somebody. I, I say it might be interesting to somebody. It's interesting to me. There is a thing called an MFD that you can buy, which is basically. If, I'm actually considering this because I'm a bit short on buttons on my joystick. Um, if you take a look, we'll put it in the show notes. There is a thing that Thrustmaster produce. I'm sure there are others. Um, there is a thing called the Thrustmaster MFD Cougar. It is basically, it's a, I don't know how to describe it. It's a square of plastic. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a picture frame, okay? And if you imagine a photo frame and all the way around the edge of the frame are buttons, that is what the, the Thrustmaster MFD Cougar is. It's designed to reproduce the MFD on an F-16. So the F-16 has a little, uh, has buttons all around the outside, I believe, of the radar. And basically, it's it's just, it's just buttons. And again, it comes with software like, um, like uh, Colin's talking about, uh, where you basically just program what you want each of these buttons to do. But it is basically just a thing that you can plug into your PC that gives you illuminated buttons that you can have on a stand. Well, it has its own stand. You can just have it on the desk next to your joystick and you can just press the buttons to do various things. And it is for that really immersive flight sim experience. Um, And I believe that you can actually, I think it actually does work as a frame. So I think you can print something out and put it in the space in the middle. I suspect if it was me, I would be printing out what each of those buttons actually does. (laughs) so um, yeah, that's. I just I just wanted to mention that because we have when we were doing this um, survey about what our users use, we had an Elite Dangerous player, a Lave Radio listener. Um, let me just bring up the name uh, Harvey Manning. I can't remember what his commander name is. I do apologise, uh, but Harvey Manning emailed us and says there's this MFD Cougar thing, and he says it's really good, uh, and I can I can definitely see how that would be awesome. Uh, and it's and you actually sorry I should just say is you also get a pack of two, so when you see the price for the MFD Cougar you're actually buying two USB cockpit panels, um, and I, I think one of the one somebody was saying that actually what he did was he bought the twin pack like between him and a mate and they had one each because they are completely independent you don't have to have them both plugged in, uh, but they're just quite you know they're they're quite nice little bits of kit, um, and. Yeah, I, I I kind of really like that. But the middle um, area is just a picture. It's not dynamic, or it's not no, 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 a screen. Not, it's not a screen. It is basically uh, uh, what they. That would be. Yeah. Can you imagine how awesome that would be if you could have it as a screen and it would say be 
potentially your system map or something like that, or even yeah. an aura review. <laughs> I would I, I would say I would say as somebody who has been playing on the Nintendo DS for many many years that the excitement of the second screen wears yeah. off very quickly because you find that a lot of designers just end up not using the second screen for anything particularly interesting. Um, but yeah, I take, I take your point. You could glue your mobile phone into that gap <laughs> and use could, it for third-party yeah. websites. You, you could attach it over a tablet, although you might be using your tablet for the other thing we're going to discuss in a minute, which is the Rocket Power Grid. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I know we've got something else to show notes. So I'm gonna come to that. Um, there is a thing called the Rocket Power Grid. Lots of people have told us they use this. Um, we had on our survey, we had 54 people tell us that we use that they use the Rocket Power Grid. Now, when you consider that only 59 people told us they use the keyboard and mouse, that is that is quite a lot of people using the Rocket Power Grid. Um, who oh I'm, I'm, i was going to say who would like to talk us through the rocket power grid i've written me down as talking yes. about the rocket power grid does <laughs> yes, anybody else want to jump did. in because i have been using it and trying it and uh, loving it i've not tried it yet but you know i've got okay. a feeling you're about to ruin my weekend oh okay well so the basically the rocket power grid is a is a little bit of software that you install on your tablet so you can I'm, I'm guessing it works on a i'm guessing it works on a phone as well as a tablet i'm assuming there's an iphone version i don't know i'm on android um and there is there is definitely available for android basically all it is it's a little graphical display on your tablet which does the same thing as an mfd it gives you buttons that you can press on your phone or tablet display that activates keyboard presses on your PC. So if your keyboard button for landing gear is G, you can program a button on the Rocket Power Grid to press G. And there isn't really, you know, any advantage to it other than the fact that obviously, again, if you're playing in the dark, your tablet PC is self-illuminated. But I do want to give a shout out to Adam Grabinski, uh, who has provided on the Rocket site basically a custom Elite Dangerous grid for the rocket power grid and what he's done i mean i don't know all the ins and outs of where he got these graphics from but he has created a layout which uses really cool little graphics i mean they're just gifs or pings or whatever you want you want to do but it looks like it looks in keeping with the elite dangerous art style so it's all orange lines on black backgrounds you know, it, you would you could be mistaken for thinking that it was an official frontier thing. So the picture for oh, I really wish I'd set up my tablet in front of me for tonight's show, but like the picture for landing gear is like an image of a cobra with with like wheels coming down from underneath it and that sort of thing. Um, the buttons for there are buttons for expanding and contracting your sense of view, and it has a little picture of the elite dangerous uh, radar like as the button. So that's really good. What I will say is because that the skin is so good, if you do want to change what you use the buttons for, it does mean you have to either use a button that you, you know, you have to either just reuse a button for something else where the image isn't quite right. Um, or you have to go away and create your own graphics to replace the ones that are there. But basically what, what happens is you, you run the Rocket Power Grid server on your PC and then your 
your tablet connects to it. So you have to have some sort of network in your house where you can connect your tablet to your PC, presumably via wireless is, is, is the simplest thing. Um, I don't know if anyone can jump in on whether, I don't know if anyone in Twitch chat can tell me whether the Rocket Power Grid works over a USB connection, but I'm assuming most people have some sort of working wireless thing um but yeah i mean again it's very much it's very much a bit like anything else it is very much down to personal taste i completely reconfigured the rock that that ed grid because a the default buttons were nothing like the buttons that i use for elite dangerous and also there were certain things that i wanted to have on the power grid that the person who created it didn't didn't consider um i wanted many more buttons to for hyperspace uh, I, I use two hyperspace buttons i use one for high wake and one for low wake uh, and i wanted that to be reproduced basically on the rocket power grid um, and someone has confirmed in twitch chat that it is wi-fi only yeah so there you go yeah. but i mean that is basically if you are if you want to if you know if you've got a joystick like mine which is a little bit lacking in buttons but you are desperately wanting to do away with your keyboard and if something like voice attack doesn't work for you for reasons which i'm sure i will be discussing next week um the rocket paragraph is a free bit of software it's really good um and if you've got a tablet lying around that you hardly ever use like i do um I, it's just brilliant you just need to have it on your desktop somewhere you can put it on a little reading book stand or something and it's like having a a spaceship control panel in front of you uh, i think it's excellent yeah well i think I'll, I'll, i'm gonna have to download that and give that a try at, at a later point i think you've sold me on that one <laughs> yeah and, and i will say one of the things i put in the show notes one of the reasons i found it really helpful is on the keyboard when i'm when i'm doing that thing where you zoom your scanner in and out Mm-hmm. I can never quite remember which one is zoomed in and which one is zoomed out. Whereas on the Rocket Power Grid, it's got an icon showing big radar, small radar, and that kind of made sense to me. Um, <laughs> does it have any macros? It does have macros. I'm just thinking because the one of the ones that's really really handy well, when we come to talking about voice attack is the request docking. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe someone can again please jump in into his chat I, I didn't play around with macros in it but i vaguely remember thinking that the rocket software gave you the option for macros as well as keyboard presses i'm not sure that it's i don't remember it being quite as sophisticated as voice attack because i know with voice attack you can say press this button wait half a second then press this button wait half a second i'm not sure if it's i, I, I don't want to undersell it it might be able to do it uh, let me just see if i can bring up the software um, but it, I, yeah, it, I, I'm pretty sure it, it offers macros. Let me let me see if I can fire it up. Uh, but yeah, I totally, you know, if people are looking for additional buttons and they're looking for something that is essentially free as long as you already have the hardware, uh, it's great. And also, actually, just as I've fired it up, just as a little side note, um, it, the Rocket server software that runs on your PC gives you loads of really useful information about like your PC core temperatures. It shows you how much space you've got on your drives. It shows you your network usage. It shows you how much memory you're using and all these things. And actually, quite apart from Elite Dangerous, there are loads of things that Rocket can send to your tablet as a display which are actually all really useful i think it does things like skype and twitter integration and stuff like that it does they do i'm looking through the website now and it says it does that kind of thing so yeah yeah. i mean for a free bit of software i think it's worth a look at 
it, it, it is a genuinely, genuinely fantastic. Um, and I'm just trying to find where in the editor you set um, uh, the things like macros. I mean, yeah, okay, it looks really confusing. So I imagine it does support macros because it's not just here is your image, which button do you want to press? Yeah. Uh, it's got all kinds of things. There you go, function buttons, macro button, it is in there. So yeah, definitely, 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 definitely. Well, well on, on, on that thumbs up of approval, um, we'll move on to the various the various methods of tracking your view around the cockpit, I think. Sorry, can, can I just do one more thing? One more thing? Just one, <laughs> one more, more thing? One more thing. I do want to do a little shout out to uh, a, a website which uh, basically gives you a printoutable shortcut to your keyboard bindings so we've talked about all these joysticks we've talked about all these controllers we've talked about your steering wheel we've talked about your wheels if like me you have become massively confused <laughs> about which things you have assigned to do what job in elite dangerous there is a website called mcd.net forward slash elite that is www.mcd spelt mcdoe.net forward slash elite there is a website there where you can upload your key bindings file mm. and when you upload your key bindings file it gives you a, a summary of your joystick and keyboard controls that for those of us that love paper manuals i'm going to bring paper manuals up again oh, for those God. of us that love paper manuals it allows you to print out a summary of your controls in the style of how the old paper manuals used to do it. Well, actually, that would be useful for other things as well, because in next week's show, when we do touch on voice attack, one of the things that I used to, I got lost with, was actually matching up what was in voice attack to what my bindings were. So that exactly. would be very, very useful yes. in helping to map those kind of controls and you also, with a power grid and anything else that needs that kind of map of where your controls are on the keyboard, yeah. and any any peripheral, that will be a, a, a useful addition to. Yes. For those of you who are unaware of what head tracking is, um, it's the ability to look around the cockpit of your ship. And there are various methods which will allow you to do that independently from the point of view controls on a joystick. So we're, we'll, we'll start off with our favorite, I think, Chris. Yeah. I think we can, we can put this one down as our favorite, can't we, Chris? The ED, okay. the ED tracker. Now, the, the ED, ED tracker is... That, um, and I should say, before we go into this section, it's worth mentioning that ED tracker are our official sponsors of LaveCon. One yeah. of our sponsors of LaveCon. Beat me to it. Oh, sorry. So everything we're about to talk about can be considered this week's advert for the ED Tracker. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, ED Tracker, sponsor of LaveCon. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a, a small, um, well, there are two versions of it. There is a £45 uh, pre-assembled box, or basically a kit which you can assemble yourself. And effectively, you plug it in USB to, um, or attach it to the, your headset, and, and then plug it in and then run the software and it will give you uh, the ability to track your head movements and be able to use that in a, a more exaggerated way to look round the cockpit. Now for the price of it, um, I, I think it's, it's phenomenally good value uh, considering yeah. what we've seen from the other options up ahead. 
I mean, yeah. I, I use it, it all it's, the time. You use it. it I was going to say, especially if you, if you're a tinkerer. I mean, if you're a tinkerer, the actual parts for making your own are only ten or twelve pounds. Um, I mean, I'm not a tinkerer. I, I bought a <laughs> I bought a pre-assembled one, uh, and I've said this before that the Ed Tracker, the previous version, not even the Ed Tracker Pro, which I now have, but the, my original Ed Tracker, which I bought just as a pre-assembled circuit board which i mounted in a tic-tac box it was one of these things they were at the um the second lavecon so the second yes. ever lavecon that we ran they were there demonstrating this new thing they'd come up with called the ed tracker or the ed tracker and i i tried it and immediately said i i, I have to have this and it is ever since then it has been the one piece of kit which i i cannot play elite dangerous without um, so just to, I mean, just to, to, to explain what, because we're saying to people it allows you to track your head movement. It is not a complete, it's not like Oculus Rift, where when you stand up and sit down, you move vertically. What Ed Tracker allows you to do is control your camera. So it basically enables you, it basically enables head look in Elite Dangerous and any other game that, that has that kind of head look. Um, but you can, you can look up, you can look down, you can look to the left and you can look to the right. And what you're, when someone describes it to you, your initial feeling is, well, surely when I turn my head, I'm not going to be able to see my monitor. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the, when someone described it to me, I'm like, well, how does head tracking work? Because if I turn my head to the left to look at the screen that's to the left of the cockpit, I'm now not looking at my monitor, but it doesn't really work that way. Like the camera motion is such that you kind of turn your head, but you're keeping your eye on the screen. And at first you might think that that feels very strange, but actually it's a completely natural motion and um, you get used to it. In fact, so much so that actually when I, if I do sit down to play Elite Dangerous and I've forgotten to turn the air tracker on, I find myself moving my head and wondering it takes me a moment to realize that the thing that's wrong <laughs> is that the game isn't tracking my head movements. Um, so yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I, yeah, I think we just, yeah, DJ Tarjan is saying in, into his chat, you basically just tilt your head a little bit and it gives you quite a big range of motion. Um, yeah. so yeah, you, you take the control software and then, um, you, you scale, your movement so that a little bit moving to the left or right is actually the equivalent of the head in in your uh, of your pilot moving say ninety degrees to the left or the right so you don't actually look all the way from, all the way away from the screen yeah. and yeah it, it's <laughs> for the price uh, yeah I yeah. think this one is is one that's a See, I've up. always got a worry with these things because I am a horrendous fidget and I can't sit still for five minutes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, especially unless I'm in combat, in which case then I am sitting there properly looking forward and things like that. I'm looking left, looking right. Quite often I'll be like turned around with my feet up on my other, ch- on like on my desk and slobbed all over the place. And I'm just worried that, you know, just because the amount of movement I do, I'll be looking at the back of the ship before rather than at, <laughs> at my at the front of yeah. my at the front yeah, I, I, I mean, actually yeah I mean I mean I actually turn head tracking off when I'm using the, the station computer and if I'm doing like a, like if I'm doing the hut and run or something I turn the head tracking off 
because all I'm really interested in was is what's ahead of me. But as soon as I go to take off, or if you know, if I'm flying the ship, essentially, I put head tracking back on. Um, yeah, because it's just I mean, a few things that I've used it for even just this evening. Um, I got into a, a fight with another ship. So when it when it flies out of your reticle, you can turn your head and see where they're flown to. So I personally consider head tracking to be a massive advantage in combat. Um, when you're approaching an outpost and you're trying to figure out where you're meant to be landing, it's really useful to be able to fly past the outpost and be able to kind of look around. Um, if you are attempting to land on like a like a station on a planet surface, or if you are trying to fly around a sun towards the next system that you're going to jump to, it means that you can angle yourself away from the star and you can look up and you can see the thing that you're heading for. So you can do really efficient orbital manoeuvres using the Ed Tracker. Um, MacN71 is asking in Twitch chat how you turn off the Ed Tracker. There is a there is a control that you can assign in Elite which turns head look on and off. Middle, but um, middlemost button I, I've got uh, for mine. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I just I have O on the keyboard. Um, which just turns my head tracker on and off. The only thing I miss, I think I might be doing something wrong because the only thing I miss on the Ed Tracker Pro, my old Ed Tracker used to have a hardware button on it that you could press to mm-hmm. reset the center. Yes, I've got the that. Ed Tracker, the Ed Tracker Pro doesn't have that. Oh. So I have to go into the Ed Tracker software and press the reset button. But I'm assuming I'm doing it wrong and that I can, there's a keyboard button that I can press to reset the Ed Tracker Pro. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really hoping that, that Phil will get in contact with me and tell me how to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, uh, the software that I've got, it, it's got the F11 key. I've specified the F11 key to automatically center so that it will... It I think will... I've, yeah, I, I think I just haven't found the keyboard shortcut I need for it. Um, um, well, it's in, it's in the actual software itself. It, it should be. Uh, we'll discuss it later, okay. time. Yeah, um, Mark Dissington you know, in Twitch chat is saying he has the same problem. He has to go to the AirTracker GUI and hit the reset view button. But I'm, there must be a keyboard shortcut for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've got it on the, the software right in front of me. Oh, see in fact, there is, I've just found it. There is a thing that says enable hotkey, press yeah. desired key or joystick button. Well, I'm going to press Z. <laughs> there you, there go. you go. So now Z is now going to reset my view. Lab radio Excellent. helping you with your gameplay <laughs> needs. So, but I will say, I mean, just before we finish talking about the Ed Tracker, I will say the thing that is great about the Ed Tracker, and uh, when you compare it to other things that you might use for head tracking, it is completely silky smooth. And that is the thing that sold me on it on the, the very second LaveCon. I couldn't believe how smooth the head tracking was with the Ed Tracker. Mm. I'm yeah, going to stop gushing now. Yeah, well, I, I will agree. Um, but Grant, you know of uh, another head tracking software, which, although costs substantially more, does is slightly better, would you say? Track IR5, I picked it up on the off chance before Elite came out and the hope that they would support it. I picked it up for Flight Simulator and then never played the damn thing. It's just one of those, one of those situations. Um, but it, it's like a... It's, well, it's like a web camera, but without a lens. It sits on top of your monitor. You've got a reflector that you glue to your forehead. Um, I should have read the instructions because apparently you're meant to fit it to a hat or buy the other one that clips on the side of your headphones. <laughs> so uh, I used to wire it using sort of uh, those little wire ties that you get to the top of my headphones and it would pick up the three reflective points and it would do the tracking of your head position from that. 
Uh, well, now, when I first got the Track IR, I fired up Elite and it worked. There were no settings to change. There was nothing to do at all. I just looked to the left and as you just described with ED Tracker, um, with Ed Tracker, the... The game just follows you, and as you look to your left, the further to your left, the more accelerated the movement becomes, so that you've got a very natural mid-range of movement, so that people who have uh, Ben's fidgeting disorder will not find their neck snapping (laughs) in-game. So it's very good. It never had any sort of drift in it either. It was very reliable, brilliant piece of kit. I really do miss it. I When I got an Oculus Rift, I gave it away, and um, I do miss it, and the person that's got it finds it essential too. It's just a very natural way to play when you can't be disconnected from the rooms that you're in, because with these things on, you can see around you the real world, you can get up, you can put it down, you can go and get a cup of coffee without too much hassle, and people can get your attention, which is quite important when you're you're a carer so I did love it now the big difference between Track IR and Ed Tracker is the one movement that the Ed Tracker doesn't do is when you're looking at the sensor and thinking is that a dot on the sensor God, how do I enlarge that sensor well in order to enlarge your controls with the Track IR merely move your face closer to the screen <laughs> <laughs> so it's got this sort of uh, it's got the, the whole sort of lateral positions as well so how close you are you can look you can sit back um, and look around you. It was a brilliant piece of kit. I would say the Ed Tracker is probably the best value for money. Track IR is a little bit pricey when Ed Tracker does it just as well at a slightly lesser uh, price. But both of these things run brilliantly. Um, the only thing I would advise is if you have got Oculus Rifts or Vive systems, they do not play nice together. And Elite does struggle to be able... I've not found a nice, simple way of switching between them. I tend to find that Track IR just doesn't work. And the next thing that we're about to go on with Colin is the Face Track No IR. And I mm. tried with a lot of failure to get that running on my machine because it's had Vive software on it, and I've not been able to get it. I can get the program to track me. I can see it. And it's really impressive, mm-hmm. but no go with Elite for me. And uh, I did not get an opportunity to to really iron it down and hoped with my new machine that arrived when it was fixed to um, install it on a clean, a clean system. But as I just revealed to Twitch chat, the reason why I can't find my game bindings it's because it's not installed in this computer. <laughs> okay. So that definitely is a bit of a flying yeah. ointment. But well, yeah. face track, no IR. Now this this is our this this is one is a bane of my life. Sometimes this one, um, it in similar tracking software as as before, um, only it uses a webcam to kind of map your face, and then we'll try and move the view matching on on what your face looks like. Now, you can get some peripheral setups with a free Android app, uh, which works better, but that does mean slapping a phone on your head. (laughs) (laughs) And if if anybody's seen the size of the phone that I've got, I I don't think that's really a good idea. I mean, it works works okay. Uh, I mean, it it also works with, well, I mean, it's not no face no track sorry face track no IR that's the bane of my life it's open track which we'll probably touch on at a later point but um, yeah I mean it's it's okay it is free 
it, it just I, I found it a little bit of a pain to use a little bit of I don't know whether it's my ugly mug it has trouble tracking it but uh, yeah it's it's a it's an interesting and free option if you want to try this kind of face uh, sort of uh, head view yeah head tracking thing I think I think so it's, you, I mean you can't complain if it's free the can, the software's really cool when it shows you that it kind of draws a kind of upside down welly f- shape on your face that it shows you in the preview panel and you can see how it tracks from your eyes and your sort of mouth. So it just searches for those central central features. Um, it's fascinating. In fact, I recommend getting the software. It basically emulates all these different devices to a sort of extent, not exactly 100% compatible. But if no. you're looking for, I've got a web camera and I don't have 50 quid spending an, e- an Ed tracker or I don't have 150 quid spending a track IR and I'm not going to get Oculus... This is a little thing you can try, and if it works for you, free bonus. It's awesome. Yes, completely, completely agree with that. Um, for something that's free, uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Right. Which way? Which way up is an upside down for a willy? I don't know. Stoops. <laughs> um, which, I'm, I'm laughing at what Kelton said because Kelton said that for, for no IR, he made his own tracker with some Christmas lights. I thought it was very strange things. I imagine him sitting there with Christmas lights all over his head. Um, the, oh God, what was I saying? The, with, but with the face track, no, I are, because it's software based, does it not have a performance? Is it not quite processor intensive? Does it not have a performance hit for the I, game if you're doing it? I, no more than ED Tracker does, to be honest. And it's still able to, to hand, it, it doesn't slow Elite Dangerous down. I mean, I'm running on an i5 and it's still working fine. Okay, that just it just interests me because obviously the other ones we're talking about are, are hardware, primarily hardware options. Um, with with Face right now, I are doing it all in software. I wondered if it would take something away, but presumably I didn't. I didn't notice it, any any sort of degradation or the, the software is quite low footprint and uh, well, I mean my processor is reasonably powerful, so it's kind of hard to kind of get that. You know, is this going to struggle in a lesser processor? Um, but it did seem to be very quick, very efficient, and you know, if, mm-hmm. I, if I'd got it working, I'd have been chuffed. Um, it's just purely, I reckon, because I've got so much of all these other devices, bits of software in that Windows system, that <laughs> Elite just didn't know what to do with it because it's meant to work seamlessly, like the Track IR. You go into Elite. I think with the Ed Tracker, do you have to do some? Uh, mapping of controls um no no well there's a little bit of mapping of the controls it takes about 30 seconds to set up and it's covered by the manual and that's in the so, elite game you know, though because you have to map because yeah, yeah. uh, with the track ir and with face track no ir those two appear as the same device essentially to elite dangerous which just picks up and automatically sets that as your head tracking device now whether or not yeah, that's changed in recent it uses open builds? track both of them doesn't it yeah and Elite Dangerous automatically picks up open track. Yep. And it's right. just, yeah. So that's yeah, the, the Ed Tracker basically registers itself as a joystick, mm-hmm. um, which I, I actually I have run into problems with one or two indie games on Steam. There were a couple of games where the, my, the, the menus were just going absolutely nuts and I couldn't work out why. And I realised it's because the game had just defaulted to assuming that I wanted to play with what it had d- detected as being joystick one, which was the Ed Tracker. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, the, the menus were just going crazy and cycling because the air tracker was just plugged in and lying down on the desk. Uh, well, I mean, there, there you is might this... find when you're not using air tracker, you want to unplug it. 
Yeah, and the, there is the, the this new uh, player on the block, which is the Toby Eye Tracker. Now, I remember uh, Obsidian yeah. Ant um, mentioning this a couple of times and giving away one free. I, I mean, has anybody actually used it? I, suppose- I have. Yeah, I won uh, one. Well. Not really dangerous. I, I right. played it at Elite Meet because um, special effect were at Elite Meet with a demonstration Toby eye tracker, and they had basically Minecraft going. And essentially, I mean, the way I the way I understand that it works is that the the eye tracker tracks your eye movement, and it puts it puts the mouse pointer at the place on the screen you're looking at. Oh, right. Basically. So that would mean the center point of your uh, your view would go to wherever the. Uh, oh. It's an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, Grant might agree with me. It, t- it takes a little bit of like finessing and a little bit of learning. I can totally see how useful it will be for special effect because if you've got someone, um, we actually we actually tried to get um, special effect on tonight to talk about the Toby Eye Tracker, but unfortunately schedules didn't work out, and we ended up with a slightly awkward situation where. With with special effect, their Toby Eye Tracker specialist doesn't know much about Elite Dangerous, and the person who knows a lot about Elite Dangerous, Baz, doesn't know much about the Toby Eye Tracker. Um, but essentially, I mean, you know, Elite Dangerous has mouse look, and the Toby Eye Tracker, I imagine, would would connect with that quite well. Um, my experience of trying to play Minecraft with it, you sort of imagine that the way it's going to work is you look at on the screen where you want to go and that's what happens that's that's not quite how it works you have to kind of learn to sort of move your eye slightly off center in order to enable rotation and then kind of look back to center when you want to stop so i can i can imagine it being really useful for somebody with some sort of physical impairment i don't imagine how useful it's going to be particularly be to just your, just your everyday gamer well, I think uh, just it's, my view. it's the same as it is the exact same sort of technology as the Ed Tracker and the Track IR system. The difference being that it's using its own sort of built-in camera, which bounces lights off the retina inside your eye to work out your eye positioning and stuff. So when you look at it, you can blink, you can wink, you can so it can capture all those kind of feed during the sort of configuration. You can see it, and when you turn your head to the left and turn the right, so it m- can map your head movement by the positioning of your eyes. I can't get the damn thing working because, and I'm going to put the sort of cam on so people can see, when I'm looking at the camera, it's fine. When, and I noticed this using, um, oh, Cricky, what is it called? It's a kind of uh, an avatar animation that uses your web camera to, uh, to animate an avatar. And I found, why are my eyes closed in this avatar all the time? And it's because I've got heavy set eyes. So if I was to play the game with my eyes held right open like this, then there wouldn't be a problem, but I would have problems reaching my controllers. Because um, when I look normal position like this my eyes are too narrow for the tracker to pick it up so it's one of those considerations to take in for if you have fat eyes like me it might not work very well for you but i was impressed with it i see someone in the chat was saying that they find a little bit of a latency with it so 
when you're looking at the sort of the, the it gives you these two little white discs which represent your, your eye openings and it will show you as you turn your head these move and change shape so that's how it tracks your head movement it's fascinating and I imagine that when it integrates with Elite, it's just the same as a track IR. As you kind of turn your head, it will pick up your eye movement and it will pick up the fact that you're sliding over to the right rather than um, trying to work out where your eye focus is, which I think is a bit more specialist use. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Um, so one of the things we have really haven't mentioned tonight, and we have had people in Twitch chat ask about it, um, VR, of course, VR being a huge display and head tracking thing. Um, we are running out of time tonight, so we are going to bump the next section of our talking about add-ons to next week, which is display and environment add-ons. Uh, we will be talking about that next week with uh, voice attack and voice packs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it does seem that we've, <laughs> we've enjoyed talking about the the hardware side of things so much that we've 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 kind of overrun a little bit. So, and yes. um, we'll we'll just quickly um, touch on this this fantastic little um, thing that I came across on Reddit today, which is there is now an Elite Dangerous community magazine. Okay, I saw that. I read it. You read it all. I mean, for all those people who sort of say too long didn't read, actually, I'd say go and read this because for all those manual lovers out there, there is it's a it's a thirty four page, um, uh, basic uh, virtual magazine, if you like. Yeah, before uh, before you get Chris all excited about it being a manual, yes. it's not sniffable. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> unless no, unless I'm sniffing my tablet display. No, I like I like the way it'd been done. I like how it'd been laid out. I was looking forward to reading it on a on a tablet or something, um, and I like the the kind of magazine layout. The thing that I was confused about is: is it an elite dangerous magazine? Because the things that we're talking about upcoming issues mm-hmm. all seem to be for all kinds of different games. It seemed to just be a regular gaming magazine rather than specifically an elite dangerous one. Um. Well, I mean, just looking at this, it sort of says, welcome to the first issue of the Elite Dangerous Community magazine. So I'm assuming that, I mean, this is, this it's all under this Game On magazine uh, headline. So if you go to gameonmag.com, you'll find the Elite Dangerous magazine issue one in there somewhere. Um, and it, it's, it's basically, it looks very, very professionally put together. Um, yeah, it's nice. I know, and it, it covers a whole lot of um, news about last month in Galnet, um, a whole load of things about um, how to get the best tips out, out of exploration, and interesting system of the month. These kind of things, which you know you used to find in you know Crash Magazine, and yeah, yeah. and magazines going back can, can into the eighties and the early nineties. Clarify again for Stoops, who seems to be having issues tonight with the English language. Game on, not game on. <laughs> oh, good grief, Stoops. Oh. So if you go to, but yeah, but I mean, essentially what I'm saying is that if there's, I mean, if you go to page nine of it, there's a thing that says check out the Game On magazine for over 100 pages, packed full of gaming reviews, interviews, and articles, 1.99 per issue. It seems mm-hmm. to be a multi-format, multi-game magazine i don't understand what its relationship is with this elite community one i'm I'm just confused i think well uh, i'm going to drop a line to these these guys and and find out what the what the the, uh 
It's got uh, to be an Elite Dangerous-based magazine. It's got, you know, system of the month. So unless they're going to go into a game that has toilets in it and then they're going to have system <laughs> of the month, it's got the Galnet update. I mean, it's clearly, it is pretty clearly that this is, you know, obviously I think the GameOnMag.com website is going to have a number of different magazines, but this is definitely an Elite-based game magazine that's going to be repeat you know you can subscribe to it free of charge which is great and that's issue number one so i'm pretty certain that the next ones are going okay. to be um elite dangerous yeah. related with yeah i think game on advertises other issues coming up which is more about the magazines that they offer yeah yeah no, no yeah. that's cool that's cool I, the other thing i say about that i quite like is it's a bit like reading a newspaper from like harry potter because even oh. though it's like text and with images inset every now and again you'll get like a video inset in the text <laughs> so it's like having yeah. it's like having moving photos in the magazine it's very cool yeah so yeah basically i think it's, it's sort of a, a read version of this show isn't it <laughs> It's, it's probably it's probably better researched. It's got, an, it's got animated page turns which we can't do in our podcasts. That's true. Oh, it's true. Yes, very true. So um, let's see. We've got some shout outs to do. Uh, we've oh, got yeah. Com- yeah, we've got Commander Plater who's running a twenty-four hour stream on the third of June starting at midday, running for 24 hours. It's called Combat for Cancer. All proceeds will be going to the British Thyroid Foundation, not Thargoid Foundation, let's be clear, Thyroid Foundation. And he's going to be joined by various YouTubers and streamers, Obsidian Ant, Vindicator Jones, Ghost Giraffe, Joe Hawkins, Mini Shabuka, Dan to Earth Astronomy, Paraxum, and DJ Truthsayer, all confirmed. Ed Lewis from Frontier was also going to make an appearance and he's got some giveaways as well. We've got yourself, Chris, tomorrow at 9 p.m. Yeah, uh, if anyone wants to join me tomorrow night for some just casual gaming and chatting about, I, I generally t- t- sort of I'm I'm streaming sort of slightly slightly smaller, more independent games uh, on a Wednesday night, 9 p.m. BST, uh, Twitch.tv forward slash Hold My Kidney. Um, and I think we're either going to be carrying on with Holy Potatoes, We're in Space, uh, or possibly looking at um, Internet Renowned Explorers International Club, which I've recently discovered and is excellent. There is also a question in Twitch chat, any information on the fourth season of Escape Velocity? Um, yes, <laughs> there, is, there, there isn't news about the fourth season of Escape Velocity. The fourth season of Escape Velocity is coming. I am still currently writing it. Uh, if you would like to be kept up to date with the, the very latest news on Escape Velocity, uh, Escape Velocity is supported by fantastic patrons uh, at patreon.com forward slash radio theatre workshop. Uh, there's a bunch of people there who support Escape Velocity financially, and they're basically the people who enable Escape Velocity to happen because it costs money uh, not just in terms of my time but also in terms of paying people to come and be actors or paying people to produce art for me or all these various things uh, but yeah patreon.com forward slash radio theatre workshop uh, that is where all the, the news about Escape Velocity breaks and then I, I remember to do it on like Facebook and Twitter and stuff later um, but yeah this, the fourth series is coming also coming for Escape Velocity is a 
basically a special edition of series one and two um fear not that it will be a sort of horrible george lucas style change fest it is basically just to improve the sound mix and also put all the elite dangerous sound effects into series one and two because of course series one and two was produced before we had the game um so Mm -hmm. it's going to be it's going to be remixed with all of the in-game sound effects and hopefully we'll be getting verity back to record the to replace the ship voices for series one and two which would be excellent so that is all stuff that is coming this year as soon as i can actually get on with it <laughs> wow right okay a lot to take in there um we'll also give a, a special shout out to commander tanik selden now <laughs> he's managed to destroy his ship while doing the buckyball aquarian aquarian job race by accepting their one percent hull challenge and then trusting his ship's computer to land the ship. However, he still is in the race. He's just in the process of travelling halfway around a planet to get to another base to get his ship back. So I think we have to give him the Labour Radio Bloody Mindedness Award of the Year (laughs) to this guy. So has anybody got any final business they would like to mention before we move on? Because we've we've got the standard LaveCon 2017, which is coming up, uh, obviously, on the 20, the weekend of the 25th of June, sponsored by the EDRPG and, of course, the aforementioned Ed Tracker. Yes, the, the EDRPG, of course, being a tabletop uh, role-playing game, officially licensed based on the game universe of Elite Dangerous. You can get together with a group of players either around a real table or on some sort of online portal like Discord or Roll20, and you can have adventures in the Elite Dangerous universe as, as your own stories. You can, you know, it's it's un- limited only by your imagination. You can walk around inside your ships. You can walk around inside space stations. You can visit atmospheric planets all these sorts of things. It is a, you know, it is a tabletop role-playing game set in the Elite Dangerous universe, features all the ships and equipment and systems and plots and stuff that you love. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll have to thank everybody who has turned up on Twitch tonight. At, uh, we've, we've had over 100 or so, 116, 117 people turn up in, in Twitch. I'm afraid I, I'm not going to be able to mention you all. Um, ben, we've had a few commanders with us in around the Orange Sidewinder. So, we have, yes. Uh, who, are, who would you like to say hello to? Oh, I'll say hi to Commander... Sh- I have no idea how to pronounce that. Shucks one maybe. Shucks one Miggles14159... Oh, sorry. 314159. Cows here. Toxide, Ventura. Yibin, Psylocke. Um... And there's been some more folk as well, but I can't find them now. Um, um, why is someone trying to look up Grant's cargo hatch? I don't think we probably want to know that. No. <laughs> there's, there's some writing on those crates. What does it say? Bug off private. It says Levy and Brandy. Yeah, it does say something, something like, you know, um, stop looking up my skirt. <laughs> um, temporary uh, art I think it's not well, actually not a whole placeholder it does look quite actually quite sort of nice up there there's some sort of it's always good to sort of um, peek in these little bits where you shouldn't be <laughs> <laughs> well okay then 
That is it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email info at Lave Radio, Facebook slash Lave Radio, and Lave Radio on Twitter. You can join the Discord channel by going to um, tinyurl.com slash LaveChat, or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders hang out and chat at TeamSpeakLaveRadio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at half eight, which was actually true this time, and streamed out on laveradio.com slash live and on Twitch. So thanks to Chris, thanks to Ben, and thanks to Grant, and to all those commanders who joined us outside Lave Station and in Twitch. So until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Yay! Digest 9th of May 3303. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, Canon Interstellar hatches mega escape plan. Plight of Plucky Bucky Baller brings calls for tighter controls. Salome remembered. The sad tale of the Pleione. Canon Interstellar hatches mega escape plan. Canon Interstellar, the pointy-headed boffins behind research into barnacles, meta-alloys and aliens, have announced an astonishing new plan to build their very own megaship. The ship, which is to be called the Gnosis, with a G, will feature swimming baths, a library, a football stadium, a traditional English pub with real oak-effect beams and warm ale, where beards and sandals are welcome. A biscuit factory. A hostelry for young ladies of negotiable virtue. A hospital wing for those claiming to have been probed by aliens. And a life-size statue of Dr. Arcanon, made from solid gold. 
Commanders of all factions will be invited to participate in the building of the megaship. All commanders who become allied to the faction of the Tinfoil Gurus will be awarded the right to wear the Canon Interstellar logo on their spaceship. And when the aliens invade and the Gnosis, with a G, jumps away into the remote corners of the galaxy, those commanders who've earned the logo will be permitted to hitch a ride to safety. Plight of Plucky Buckyballer brings calls for tighter controls. The dangers faced by commanders who choose to participate in the dangerous sports promoted by the Buckyball Racing Club were highlighted once again. When Commander Tannik, a participant in an event called the Aquarian Job, very nearly lost his life. The event rules award extra points for foolhardy tasks such as reducing ship hull integrity to 1%. Commander Tannik was observed deliberately crashing his ship onto the surface of the target planet. Having disembarked and completed a scan using his SRV, Commander Tannik was horrified to see the autopilot remove the last 1% of hull from his ship, destroying it and leaving him stranded. Except, there's a base on the other side of the planet, Kronoker Beacon where Commander Tannik can purchase a replacement adder and complete the Buckyball Challenge. The only slight obstacle is the more than 2,000 kilometres of terrain to cross to reach that base. Commander Tannik believes he'll be able to complete the drive in about 24 hours of driving time. When he eventually completes the challenge, which is expected to take 35 minutes, in a time of three or more days, Commander Tannik will win a very obscure Buckyball Racing Club honour. From its current holder, Commander Elias Thane. Salome Remembered The children of Ratzler have held a memorial celebration for their ex-leader, Commander Salome who died on her way to pass on the news of an impending alien invasion and a massive conspiracy to cover it up. Those present at the private memorial service dropped symbols representing the seven veils of Salome's ship and an occupied escape pod to symbolise the burial of their commander-in-chief into orbit around her home planet of Chione in the prism system. It's unclear if the commander occupying the escape pod was at all pleased by this idea. The one brief transmission picked up from the escape pod as he was solemnly jettisoned into perpetual orbit was the words, You bastards! The Sad Tale of the Pleione A sixth deserted generation ship, the Pleione, has been found in the Hez Ur. That's Hotel Echo Zulu, Space, Uniform Romeo, Hez Ur system, 8,000 light seconds from Hez Ur 5. If you don't want spoilers, please turn off now. Actually, your Galnet News Digest correspondent hasn't yet visited the Pleione, but nobody will know that because they've all turned off. If by any chance you're still listening, why not visit the Pleione and find out for yourself. Mm -hmm.
And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News. We read the news so you don't have to. 